Welcome, MMA enthusiasts and betters, to the Path to Victory podcast. Get ready for some pre-odds UFC matchup analysis with your host, Lance Hartland. Join us as we recap underdog wins and betting public errors. All right, hey, what's up, guys? This is Lance, MMA Parlay. Today, I'm going to talk about the only dog money that cashed for UFC 225 was Sergio Pettis. This was surprising to me because I was eyeing many underdogs on this card, and it, I'm shocked that only one of them cashed. Hopefully, you guys were on that. I unfortunately passed on the Sergio Pettis play simply because you know I still don't have much confidence in him getting off of his back when he gets taken down. And I still think he has a lack of urgency. You know, he's more of a reactive fighter. You know, I'd like to see him show more aggression and, and put it on guys. He has such polished striking, but it seems like he holds back. For those reasons, I, I decided to pass on him. You know, I'll be looking to play him though against anyone that's not a wrestler, like a Henry Cejudo or a Dustin Ortiz type of fighter. And then I'd also like to talk about the two biggest betting public errors. And this is where the line shifted the most for the wrong direction. For instance, Dan Ige, I was shocked to see him open up as a minus 260. He ended up closing as a minus 110. And he looked like a minus 260 in that matchup. I mean, he looked like he clipped Mike Santiago on the top of, the, on the top of his head when he had his back against the cage. And you just saw him fold after that and then you know it was just ground and pound from there on out and the fight was over i will not be looking to to fade dan Ige in the in the future here uh, he definitely earned some respect from me for that performance you know i actually had him pegged as the underdog in that fight the odds makers had it right for that one i don't know how they were able to predict that dan Ige would have such a big advantage because i didn't see any at all and then the second fight that had the odds go in the losing direction was on Claudia Gedalia. She opened up as a minus 400, ended up closing as a minus 270. And there's a lot of late action on this, pretty much last minute. You had some, some big money rolling in there and it, it was smart money. I mean, it was a very sharp play. I mean, Claudia Gedalia certainly took more damage than Carla Esparza did in that fight. And I mean, I think Claudia Gedalia got exposed in that. I mean, if, if Gedalia doesn't get a takedown in a fight, I think she loses. And she looks horrible in the third round. I mean, just completely flat-footed, lack of output, no head movement, just eats shots. Just looks like a zombie in the third round. And you know, I can't trust that type of performance to win many decisions here because that's the last round that the judges are going to see. And if she's just doing nothing, just taking an ass whooping, I mean, yeah. I can't rely on her to win the first two rounds and not look so bad in the third round anymore. I mean, I hope the odds makers keep these outrageous lines for her going. You know, I hope next fight she opens up as a minus 300 or so and I'll be looking to fade her. Oh yeah, especially if someone has great cardio and is known for coming back in fights and has good takedown defense, I'll be fading Claudia Gedalia. Let's see, I think good fade for Claudia Gedalia. I would honestly take Tisha Torres over Claudia Gedalia. Tatiana Suarez, all day I would take her over Claudia Gedalia. Even Random Marcos, I'd be tempted. You know, if the odds were right, I'd be tempted to put a well, one unit on Random Marcos against Claudia Gedalia. 
And other than that, I mean, there's actually not nearly as much talent in the women's strawweight division than I had in mind before looking at these top 15 rankings. So there's a few fighters below Claudia Gedalia where I would certainly fade her for. All right, now we're going to look forward, look ahead to UFC Singapore. For the first matchup I'm going to do pre-odds analysis on is Jan Shonan versus Vivian Pereira. And what I would set the line as, I would set it as Shonan a slight favorite as a minus 140 and have the comeback on Vivian Pereira at around a plus 120. Now, the reason why I would have Shonan as the favorite is simply because her strikes look more devastating. They look more vicious. And from the perspective of the judges, that could be enough to sway this fight. And I also think that Shonan has a lot more volume, close to three times the output of Vivian Pereira. And so with that combination of things, with the more devastating looking striking and the higher volume, that's going to be enough here, in my opinion, against Vivian Pereira. But I will not be playing a straight play on this fight, most likely. I'm looking more to play the fight goes to decision prop. But let me break down as to why I think this line is set to where it's at and some of the reasons why I'm hesitant to bet either of these fighters. Now, one thing that's alarming to me with Shonan is basically how she cannot get her back off against the fence. I've seen her controlled multiple times against multiple opponents. Kylan Kern was doing that a couple times. And I also saw Halanon was also able to control Shonan against the fence. And so I have to see a better ability of Shonan to get her back off against the fence before I'm willing to back her. Or at least she at least needs to be going against an opponent that doesn't show that they're adequate at doing that. And then the second alarming thing I have with Shonan is that her sub defense is questionable. So when she was fighting Halanon, she tapped to the rear naked choke six seconds after it was locked in and didn't really fight the hands at all, was kind of just waiting to tap essentially to make it seem like she was trying to tough it out instead of actually being technical and fighting the hands and trying to get a release from that choke. So I, I didn't like her lack of ability to fight out of a submission. And although that was you know a couple of years ago, I haven't seen her showcase much sub submission defense since then. And um, I can't see the same for Vivian Pereira. I mean, she showed great sub submission defense against Tatiana Suarez. So if we were to solely base these fighters on their submission defense, you got to give the edge to Vivian Pereira. And you have to give the edge to Vivian Pereira as far as her ability to not be controlled against the fence and to control a fighter against the fence. And some other things I you know, dislike with Shonan's fighting style is really her striking attack only includes a jab, a straight, and a sidekick to the face. And towards the later rounds of the fight, I mean, she really starts to telegraph that sidekick. I also think Shonan is very one-dimensional. She's mainly just a kickboxer. She doesn't go for takedowns. She doesn't have any submission victories on her record. I haven't even seen her make a submission attempt either. If the Shaolin not by sub prop is a minus 500, I'll probably throw three units on that and be fairly confident. I think Pereira has more 
dimensions to her fighting style. I've seen her get body lock takedowns. I've seen her implement ground and pound. I've seen her advance position to go from half guard to mount. Also, Vivian Pereira has won seven out of eight decisions. And that's somewhat concerning if you're looking to bet Shonan in this spot, because I really think this fight's gonna go to decision. My main concern of Vivian Pereira is that she really looked flat versus Tatiana Suarez. I mean, she accepted those takedowns from Suarez as if they were an inevitability. You know, she didn't really spread her base that much when she was against the fence. Complete night and day difference between Moyle and Tatiana Suarez. You know, I know Tatiana Suarez is a way better opponent, but I mean, the footwork wasn't there. Vivian Pereira showed no aggression. She was just completely flat-footed. And I'm not sure if she was intimidated by Tatiana Suarez, but her body language, at least to me, surely looked like she was intimidated. And I tend to not like to bet fighters that show so much regression in between fights. And so with that being said, I think the line once again will be Shonan minus 140, Vivian Pereira plus 120, but I wouldn't really recommend betting this fight. It's going to be a close decision, and I think ultimately the vicious strikes and volume of Shonan will be enough to edge this decision. And next up, I analyzed Shinsho Anzai against Jake Matthews. I think this is going to be a wide line. Normally, I underestimate what oddsmakers set the line up when I think it's wide. Blinds makers usually set it way wider. So I'm going to set this. Jake Matthews is going to be a minus 255. I think Shinsho Anzai is going to be a plus 215. And the reason why I think that is simply because Jake Matthews has a lot more size on Shinsho Anzai. Anzai is only five foot seven. Jake Matthews has four inches of height on him, three inches of reach. And really, I don't see Anzai winning this fight unless he gets multiple takedowns. And we've yet to see anyone record more than two takedowns against Jake Matthews. And really, Anzai is completely incapable of striking from range. He mainly does this jab where he ducks to his right while he's throwing the jab. And he does these blitzes where it's just a one, two, one, two, one, two. You know, beyond that, he just tries to chain those blitzes into a, a takedown. He's mainly more comfortable in the position of trying to take someone down. He's he's not that much of a striker, although he does have quite a few knockouts in his record. It was on the Asian circuit over in Japan. And so um, I was only able to watch a few of those fights. And I mean, the striking defense there, the, the, the quality of competition seemed very low on the fighters that he knocked out. And so I'm heavily discounting his knockout power here. I've got to see it inside the UFC octagon before I believe he can knock out a fighter. So my main concern with Jake Matthews is how he fights against someone with who relentlessly goes for takedowns and how he begins to step backwards. I don't think he's fared very well against pressure fighters. You know, he did pretty well against Jing Leong, but I think that's more of a product that he gained a lot of confidence through getting a few knockdowns. I would prefer if Jake Matthews, you know, didn't step back so much and kind of put his back along the fence. 
what I'm really interested to see is, you know, we haven't seen anybody take down Anzai. So I'd be interested to see if Jake Matthews could land this blast double and how Shinso Anzai will do on his back. Jake Matthews has a nine-year youth advantage. You know, Anzai is about to turn 33 here in August. Anzai is a former junior Olympian wrestler. So it'll be interesting to see how his wrestling will do against Jake Matthews. I'm not really that confident that he could land any takedowns. And that's really his only path to victory. Expect the action to come in on Matthews. And I see him, the line flirting with around a minus 300, maybe even surpassing a minus 300. I'm going to stay away from this line unless Jake Matthews gets to like a low minus 200. And I predict that I think Jake Matthews gets the knockout here. I've seen Anzai get stunned in several of his fights. And Anzai does like to engage in a firefight. I think that's a recipe for a TKO victory for Jake Matthews. But I won't be playing it unless the line is low enough for Jake Matthews. It's that, that loss to Andrew Holbrook is quite puzzling and it makes it difficult to trust Matthews as a heavy favorite. Please feel free to message me if you guys have any input on these two fights or who you're leaning towards or you know what you think the odds will be. You can message me at Heartland UFC. Twitter name is MMA Parlay. We'll stay tuned. I'll, I'll post a, a couple more pre-odds fights depending on um, when the UFC Singapore Lions come out. So if it's come like Wednesday, Thursday, if the Lions still run out, you know, I'll have another two or three fighters where I'll tell you what I think the odds will be when they come out.